it may not be the best use of my time, but I can say it's the best use of my cost of marketing. My ROI, I would argue anybody has a higher ROI from a cost of marketing. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Today on the show, I have Dustin Carlson. Dustin is a mortgage broker based out of, loan officer based out of Houston, Texas. Does business all over the U.S. One of the interesting things about Dustin, and the reason I had him on the show is because he's the only person I've ever met that makes as many phone calls a week that he does. There may be other people out there, and if you are, maybe message me because you're an anomaly, but he does about 1,000 to 1,200 calls a week, and that was 1,000. Now, we're not talking like 10 calls a day. He is absolutely a machine about his diligence when it comes to making calls, and so I thought it would be great to do a, a little bit of a deep dive into his background and how he built his business this way, and his business is crushing it with his business. He's also one of the coaches. We have a program called 10 Loans a Month, and one of the things we do is called Game of Phones. And Game of Phones is we've gamified the calling of the, you know, picking up the phone, which most people struggle with. They're like, what do I say? I don't feel like it. So we've created a whole experience around it, which has been a lot of fun. And he's one of our coaches. So we wanted to share with you sort of a little bit about what what he's doing there. And I think you're really going to enjoy that. So so this episode is sponsored by Finmo. Finmo is Canada's fastest growing mortgage origination platform. This is according to Phylogic Stats. First, they designed the app from the ground up with the borrower in mind, which means they have an application that's really easy for your average borrower to use. This reduces friction in the mortgage process. Second, they make the document collection super simple. They even provide smart document collection based on how the client fills out the application. This saves you a pile of time. I can tell you, so in our, we've got a 10 loans a month program. We have some clients that have taken this software and it's absolutely been a game changer for them in terms of digital document collection, digital application, all linked together. Finally, this mortgage brokers know that everybody runs their business differently. We're like, as much as we all, we're a little bit of a snowflake. And so they've designed it so that Finmo integrates with Zapier, which means you can connect it with anything, which is fantastic. So what, however you have your business set up right now, as long as you can connect to Zapier, you, you're able to tie everything together, which is awesome. So check out Finmo. You'll get a 30-day free trial. They have amazing customer support, and they'll help you hit the ground running. Finmo is the skip the dishes of mortgages. And check out this interview with Dustin. Your mind is going to be blown with what's possible with phone calling because you're probably way underperforming what you can actually do. Check this out. Hey, Dustin. Welcome to the show. How's it going today? Oh, fantastic. So, hey, before we get started, I want to ask some questions about your unique business and your business model. So tell me a little bit about how'd you get into the mortgage business? How long have you been in the business? So I got in the mortgage business. It was about 2001. I was just finishing up while well, I was in my junior year of my undergrad in college. And I was in a situation where I was working at a company called Circuit City back in the day selling electronics. I thought I was living the big life. I was living selling in dorms. CD players and stuff, right? CD players, VCRs. I just moved out of the dorms and I was working there on commission. I worked Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I made about fifty-five dollars to $70,000 a year. I thought I was living large. I was an yeah. undergrad making sixty k a year, working three days a week, going to school two days a week, snowboarding and playing two days a week. And they came in one day, Best Buy was opening and they said, no more commissions. Your commissions are only good for the next 60 days. And then you're going to hourly at $12 an hour. And I said, done. I'm out of here. Got to find a new career. And so then what got you into the mortgage business? How'd you and end so up? So at that point, literally, I said, I got to make some money. And I'd gotten accustomed to $60,000 plus a year of a lifestyle working a couple of days a week. At what, 20 years old or something? 18 years old? Yeah, I'm like 21 too, somewhere in there. So at that point, I just started looking for jobs, like the help wanted ads. Back in the newspaper, when their newspaper was kind of first online. Mm-hmm. 
And I got a hold of a guy. I went and set up an interview, went and met with him, tiny little brokerage with an owner, his uncle, and one lady who was a processor. And he spent about three days, he spent about two hours a day training me after he gave me a job offer, training me on guidelines. A lot of his guidelines were probably five years old he was training me on, and they were outdated. They were wrong for where I was at. So he more or less put me at the reception desk, which was like a laminated wood desk with like the corners were missing, had a typewriter next to me, and a telephone on the desk. Handed me a phone book and more or less told me their name's in here. They own a home or they want to own a home. It's the American dream. Start calling. (laughs) That's hilarious. I I had a phone and a phone book. They came together. Voila. And I literally started dialing. And that would have been in like April of 01. Worked through that year and it was a struggle. I'm not going to lie. Okay. How far to the phone book did you get before you got your first deal? Fred Blackburn. So I got to the- still remember Fred Blackburn. Fred Blackburn. I can still drive to his house to this day because I was taught you go to their house, you take the application. And so that's what I did. Drove to his house in Sandy, Utah and took his application. He was a piano tuner. I still remember his job because it was super tough to get done. Yeah. So did that, started to get a couple of deals, but the first six months financially were brutal on me. I mean, it was one of those of like- Because you, were you, you all commissioned? I was all commissioned. And so for the first 90 days, I hadn't made a dollar and I was working. I was still going to school, taking like 21 credit hours. And at that point, I'm probably just starting into my senior year of college. I'm trying to work this job 30 hours a week at least. And so at that point, it was at some cost. If I've spent 90 days, I see things on the horizon. I can't quit now and I really don't have another option. I'll have to start interviewing and that'll take 30 days to make a check. Right. And I didn't know how I was going to make ends meet. Kept working, got a few deals closed, made enough money that he told me the way to really do it was direct mail. So I didn't have to make as many calls. People would call me. Voila. You're it like, was the oh, heavens yeah. open. I yeah. didn't have to like live in a phone book. Talk about rejection, phone book. And so I literally spent my first about $800 on direct mail to ultra rural Wyoming, which is where I'm from. When I say rural, it's the only county left in America to this day without a stoplight. Really? There's about 5,500 people in 9,000 square miles. Yeah. So... I sent the mailer, got an amazing response because nobody mailed to those people. Nobody mailed to them. They're like, we're not sending anything there. That's like, what's the point? However, over half of my deals were manufactured or logged homes on acreage. Right. Because that's who lives there. So I went through that and a lot of learning process. It was still back in the kind of the beginning of subprime days where your account executive came in every week and handed you a rate sheet or handed you a flyer. So they would come in and I'd more or less collect these documents and say, can you help me figure out how to do this deal? I think this is what I can do. Do you have ideas or I don't know how to do this? Can you help me? And a couple of particular account executives would sit down and say, oh, you can do it this way, that way, get me this and that. And that's how I kind of started. So I did that, ended up closing about 10 deals out of that $800. Right. And really took that, parlayed it, did another big mailer and had it go amazingly well and flew down to Albuquerque, New Mexico. I took two guys with me because I had so many appointments. And we flew home with three carry-on bags full of loan applications and supporting documents. So you did it in a different area, the same mailer in a different area. And you went and met everyone too? I went and met everyone at a title company. I got a title company to rent me a a couple of rooms, conference rooms, and people came in, met with me. And I literally came back with like 90 applications 
from like three days of me and two LOs that I paid a per application fee because I knew I couldn't handle the business. Came back, processed them, worked, figured it all out. And that would have been 2002. And my first year, I funded 322 deals. And so were these subprime deals mostly or what were the type of loans Mm -hmm. that were? So the first batch from Wyoming, a lot of that was that Alt-A type of bank statement stuff. And then the Albuquerque ones, the vast majority were FHA streamlines. Rates had finally dropped down into the 5% range. Right. Isn't that funny now, right? You're like, oh, 5%. Oh, terrible. Criminal rates. So they were in the fives and did that. And I really struggled with processing because like I said, the company I was at had an owner, his uncle, and one processor. Mm -hmm. So the company was growing, did that, became an EVP at 23 years old, started making what I considered very good money at that point. Yeah. Goodbye, Circuit City. Yeah. It it had surpassed Circuit City at that point. And so I did that while I finished my undergrad and during my master's, I continued to work. So, okay. What is your undergrad and your master's? So my undergrad's in business. I also have like minors in chemistry and biology because I initially really wanted to do nutraceutical research. I wanted to go work for EAS. If you know who Bill Phillips is? No. He used to oh, do yeah, the, yeah. Body, okay, yes, the Body right, for the Life book. Guy, yeah, and the workout guy, yeah. That was my whole goal in life was to work at EAS, Body for Life, and be on the cutting edge of nutraceuticals. Essentially, take a bunch of this. You guys don't take any of it. Work out and we'll see if it changes you. And that was really my goal in life. And then after three years of biology and chemistry, I went, I've got to get a PhD and go to school five or six more years before anyone will even listen to me. And I won't just be like a lab assistant making 30 grand a year. Here I am in college working three days a week, making 60 grand, went into mortgage, closing 300 plus deals a year and went, I'm not going to finish an education and make 30 grand a year. Right. Not going to work for me. You were making more than that a month, I'm sure. Right. So at that point, I decided to make a switch to business, finish that up. And then I got my master's in entrepreneurship and in finance and MBA. So, all right. Interesting. So when you and I kind of connected a little while ago, you came into our program, our 10 loans a month program. And then as we started chatting, I was like, because I've done a couple hundred interviews with people and you have a very interesting business model because you don't do the mailers anymore because that's kind of not something that really works as well right now. So tell me about your current, what's working for you really well. So what's working really well is to give you a little more backstory and get into what works well. So I continue to do mail pretty much from 02 through 2007. Everything imploded in 08, 07, 08. And then I kind of stepped back. I actually looked at becoming a mortgage coach. I have everything laid out to this day of what it was going to look like and decided that's not for me. And then in 2009, I went fully back into the mortgage game. In between, I did a few, but I went back full-time in the mortgage game. Quickly, within 60 days, I had a pipeline of like 8 million and got a bunch of that closed. Went on a fishing trip to Canada for about two weeks. Go Canada. Headed to the Manitoba, Ontario border, flew in, went fishing and came back. And in 60 days, I had about 12 million in the pipeline. And I looked at that and went, that's duplicatable. And all I was doing was mainly calling some of my past clients, but really cheap internet leads. I was making 300 dials a day, every day, I mean, six days a week. But I looked at that and went, it's duplicatable. The only way I'm going to duplicate that is by hiring people. So I'm like, okay, I'll hire people. I'll build a team. Right. So I started to do that and realized, wow, they don't want to make 300 calls a day. Right. That's where you're an anomaly. Most people, the internet lead thing, and we can talk about your conversion rates and stuff on that. This is not something that everybody can do. And so what happened is I took that and went, they don't want to make 300 calls a day. Hmm. 
And I'm like, I'll compensate them more. They'll make 300 calls. Well, I compensated them well, and they didn't make 300 calls. They made 100, but they were still making good money at 100 calls. So I started going back to direct mail. I personally did a little direct mail and a lot of calling because I believed in it. It was scientific. I could send mail and sometimes get a 1,200% ROI and sometimes get zero, get a true blank. I lost five, 10 grand on a mailer a couple of times. Right. So I started doing direct mail, built a team. There was myself plus four originators and we were funding 17 to 21 million a month with five people plus yep. some processors. So I just kept dialing. Things changed in late 2012, early 2013, had another baby at that point, had a little guy and I got married back in 09. And so life was changing. I looked at making some changes and quickly found myself going, me on the phones is what works for me. No matter what I seem to try, it's what I go right. back to. And since 13, I really haven't got back off the phones. Today, I'm setting at 78 files in my pipeline. And when I say pipeline, that's disclosures are out to that person. They've already done an application online in, I can say, 99.5% of circumstances. The other half percent, randomly, the real estate agent's like, you've got to meet with them or they wanted it mailed to them. Right. They've done the application. They've provided supporting documents. So I've got 78 this morning that I'm working on moving forward. So that's really what I've done. By bottom of the barrel leads, I've tried higher price leads. They've gone okay. I've tried live transfers. I've never found a great company for live transfers. So therefore, I just keep doing the phone. And the reason I love it is to me, it's science, not an art. And what I mean by that, I know for every X dials I make, I get a deal. And I always mentally try to say on a scale of one to 10, one being the very worst of times, 10 being right now, pretty much the best of times. Can I handle it with like a two and a half or a three, which means I need to make 500 calls to fund a deal. Well, I know if I can make 250 calls a day, that's every two days I can fund a deal. I start doing the math on that. That's two and a half a week. That's 10 loans a month, 10 loans a month without any referrals or repeats out of that. I make a pretty good living. Right. And so and that's assuming you don't have your database and your, yeah, that's no one else. Like, that's no referrals, no agents. That's yeah. I have scientific control of funding 10 deals every month which is two and a half to 3 million. And it pays me a good living. It more than covers all my basic needs in life. And I'm in a good position. Times are better right now. It's limited solely by the hours in the day right now. It's right. my number one limiting factor. I am, as of this morning, aggressively beginning to pursue finding people with great phone talent, even with limited mortgage experience that can call. It's so good right now that I feel I can take someone who used to sell pest control or alarm systems or solar panels, get them on the phone and have them create value. If I can find someone who hates marketing, but is great at the technical skills of mortgage, I can have a great place for them right now. So ultimately what it's saying is times are great right now. I need people with talent to either make calls or work loans because there's so many deals. Hours in the day are my limiting factor and I've got to be able to create more and that's hire people because I'm out of hours at the number of hours. Right, you're flat out. Okay, so a couple other questions on this. So currently then, what's your split of business from these leads versus realtors versus past clients? How does so that split? I'm going to answer your questions and step back. The quick step back is normally I'm a third, a third, a third, almost exactly. Well, I'm going to say not always. From November to about March, that's what I was. I really never pursued agents until October, November of 2019. Right. And I was pretty much at a third from agents, a third from That's when you, third. When did you come join us? How long ago was that? January. Yeah. So, that, so that's when I like, hey, started yeah, right. looking at agents and that's why I reached out to you was, I didn't know what I was doing at all. Right. 
And so that's where that started. And then right now, I'm at about 50% from those leads, 30% past clients, and 20% from agents. That's because currently the way the market is, there's just the agent stuff is a little bit slower right now. The agent stuff's a little slower, but the conversion of the online leads is at least double, maybe close to triple right now at 250, 270% of what it normally is. Right. So I surely can't get through the volume of calls I normally do because people answer and they talk so much longer. Right. Number two, even after I get a yes out of them, they still want to talk and I'm like, I'll get you the stuff so you can get me what I need. And sometimes I feel almost abrupt of like, hopefully they send their stuff in because I did work to get them off the phone a little too hard because I had became so addicted for lack of better words. Right. To getting through my calls in queue because I know where it leads. And it's something that is activity and it is productivity. But there's some days I'll admit, I probably made it a little too much of a focus from an activity standpoint instead of productivity. I measure number of calls sometimes too often and not number of applications out or in. Right. I do track those as well. But I've got a sequence of calls I make. And my goal is always to get through every one of those every day. If not, I leave the office with this burden of I didn't finish hanging over me. Right. So there is an obsession to getting through those calls at this point. And again, it's based on, I know where it leads. I know the deals it leads to. I mean, that's what's amazing about calling it scientific. I can sit down. I can make calls for two days, even in kind of the worst of times at a two and a half or three, two days of calling, I get a deal. Right. When I say I get a deal, that's a deal that will fund. I may have done an application each day, but only half of those close. Right. So I'll fund the deal. I love the science behind that. I'm not relying on anybody else. I have control over that. I don't have to rely on an agent that hopefully they send me a deal. Maybe I can beg for a deal. I control it. And that's what I personally love about yeah. the phone. So, okay. A couple other questions on this. So what have you found right now in terms of the pickup rate compared to usual? So like in a normal market, whatever that is, what is the pickup rate versus today? An average market, I have to make about 15 dials to get a person on the phone. In a normal market, right now, I'm at like five dials, four dials, depending on the age of the data. If I go to past right. client data, I'm even higher than that. Or really fresh data, I'm at three or four dials to get a pickup instead of 12 to 15. I right. mean, even my really age data normally is like 25 to 30 calls to get a pickup. And right now, I'm probably closer to 10 to 12. So almost everything is three times more frequent right now. And then, usual. okay, another question. So in terms of like the number, what is the most number of calls that you've made? We were chatting about this on a Game of Phones live call the other day, but like the number of calls that you've made without getting a lead. In that 500 range, it's between 450-ish to 500 is how many calls I've made without getting a single, when I say lead, like not even really an engaging conversation that leads me to say, hey, complete this online application. Right. Or, hey, I'll send you the list of items I need. Like, no one I even got to that level. And I've done that, I mean, for a couple of days in a row to where I get nothing of any substance. But I've had right. days where in the first 20 minutes, I've got three people that I've sent applications out to and I've only made five or six dials. Right. So, okay, how do you deal with that psychologically? So sometimes, like I can imagine, some people have not made 500 calls in their career, right? And you're talking, you're doing 500 calls over that. And we'll talk about your process for how you're able to make so many calls in a minute. But how do you psychologically handle that level of like, no, no, you know, bad number, whatever. How do you do that? It goes back to the thing I just mentioned of it being scientific and feeling like I have control, knowing if I continue to make calls, the law of average will work. As so long as, and I give this little caveat, I'm doing things properly. If I get a really crappy attitude and I don't try, when someone picks up the phone, I'm like, 
So you're checking on like refinancing. Well, that's going to kill numbers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But as long as I stay working hard, doing what I know needs to be done, that law of averages will work out. Like I've said, I've gone 500 calls with nothing. And then I picked up the phone and made five calls and got three deals. From the same lead source. What is the average, like you've figured this out before, but what do you make per dial in a normal market versus today again with what we've got going on? I mean, I would say in normal market, I'm in that at least $5 a dial range right now. I mean, I said 12 to 13 the other day, but as I do the math, it's significant right now. I mean, I can tell you looking at, it's significantly higher. And the reason I say that is the number of dials is down so far and my volume is up. I mean, to give you an idea, I'm literally breaking out the calculator to give you a quick idea on this month, because my call numbers are down this month, because of the volume that I'm doing, I'm working my butt off to hit 800 dials a week where normally I can hit 1500. So, uh, so you're making money, but there's still a part. This is, this is the funny part. So you're actually making more money, right? Way, you're more. Getting way more money, but you're still slightly annoyed. Yeah. Because you're in love with the process. It's right. the calling. You're like, hey, I know scientifically if I could hit my 1,000, 1,200 in a week, that's to me is I did my job, right? I mean, right now, the basic math, this month, I'll be pushing high 20 to low $30 a diet. And so that's voicemail. That's hang up, bad that's past number, client calls. That's everything. Realtor calls. Realtor referral calls. I'm pushing close to 30 bucks a dial right now. Right. I mean... I don't know of another job legally off the top of my head that I can make 30 bucks a dial. Right. It's crazy. It's insane. So it's amazing right now. That's why I say in the best of times. And I really believe I went through the O fours. I went through the O sevens. And right now for me, it is the best of times. Oh, eight. I had months. I funded over 10 million, over 50 loans, 55 loans and 10.6 million is my best month where I did every application. That's not an assistant. That's me doing all the applications of process are submitting, but right now it's as good or better. Right. That's crazy. Okay. So what about your process? So how do you get, because some people like they think, well, I made 10 calls a day and you're like, holy crap, dude, like that's nothing. So what kind of process do you have in order to be able to reach out to these people to make that many calls? I have some technology. I can call it fairly basic, but really it is a CRM and a dialer in one. Most people have a CRM or at least know really well what they are. And if you don't have yeah. one, you need one. Even if you only closed a hundred loans, you need one. Right. Excel doesn't cut it at that point, over a hundred. Really what it is, is I get a lead, whether it's from the internet, if it's from an agent, I manually input it. If it's from Zillow, I can set it to where it automatically comes in. They automatically go in. It triggers me to call them instantly almost. When I say, people have told me I'm number two to quicken in speed. I'm 20 to 30 seconds from the time you've click okay to the time your phone's ringing. Quicken is probably closer to 15 seconds, 12 to 20. Right. But they have um, a team. They they have, <laughs> so It's not one I mean, dude. I'm going to try to get on that call as quick as possible. And then I have a sequence built for calling that lead for six months. Obviously, I call them a lot the first few days and then less and less and less frequently up to six months. However, if I ever reach you during that six months and have any form of engaging conversation, that triggers me to move you to another status, such as, quote, sent application out, things of that nature, shopping even. If you're like, oh, I just need this rate. I'll say you're shopping. Those trigger a new six months. So if I call you for four months, I finally get you to answer and you're like, oh, yeah, now I'm finally really considering whether it's buying a home or refinancing because it's summertime. You go on a new sequence of quote sent or something of that nature, that's going to start a new six months. The reason is in the States, we have compliance guidelines for federal communications, FCC, where if you do not have 
conversation or they have not been a client within six months, you cannot continue to contact them. Right. If you don't have established business relations. So that's why I start that six months over. Is it a little overdone sometimes? Yeah. It may not be the best use of my time, but I can say it's the best use of my cost of marketing. My ROI, I would argue anybody has a higher ROI from a cost of marketing. Adding in my time cost, there are ways to do it better. I just transitioned from one technology to a new technology, and I did change up my calling sequence on a few things because I knew that. And so I changed it because I didn't so, know. Okay, so on the leads that you're getting, you call them, there's a six month window that you mm-hmm. call them. And then what about like real estate agents? What's your sequence for calling real estate agents? You get introduced to a new agent, you get one into your funnel. How often are you calling them and for how long? So I'm going to call that agent during that first deal. Let's say I have a deal with them because they're the listing agent or the buyer's agent. I'm going to call them every week. And I used to call them twice a week. However, now I call them once a week and my assistant calls them once a week on Mm -hmm. Friday to remind them for an update and ask for any referrals and remind them we're available if need be over the weekend. And my assistant also emails on Wednesday an update to each agent. Yeah. The reason being we found, especially with top agents, if you bother them more than every other day, they're bothered. It probably is a little bit anyway, Dustin, but you're just like, it's how I roll. I was talking to my assistant yesterday. I'm like, hey, you've got to make this call. It's not done within this time. It needs to be done because our job, my mindset is if I can call you and you remember me because I over-serviced you, if that's why you don't work with me, I'll take that reputation of that guy who updates me all the time. Because the number one thing I hear from agents on why they don't like their loan officer, communication, hands down. There's hardly a second place to communication in the sense of lack of. So my job is to overcompensate for where I know everyone's weakness is, you're going to go after it. Right. That's where you try to beat them is where you know there's a pain point. Pain point is bad communication. I'm going to communicate so much that you're going to say, just let me know if there's any issues. But just for the love of God, stop phoning me. Right. And I can tell you, I've had a very top agent say, Dustin, I appreciate what you do because I am a high producer as well. And I know you are, but unless it's pressing and my docs aren't going to be there on time, I trust you've got it. It's the second deal I'd ever done with this lady, big agent. And I'm not even her preferred lender. She just happened to be the listing agent on a couple of deals back to back I got. Right. And so that's always my goal. And I take it as an accolade when they tell me that's enough. Right. Stop. Okay. So you call them every week. What about like realtors that have sent you deals in the past? How often are you phoning them? So So like you're... I'm going to give you... The reality is I'll try to email them every about two weeks and I'm calling them at least once a month. I'm trying to reach out to them. In all honesty, right now, I'm so busy that I haven't done as good of a job as I could, number one. Number two, because I do so much of my business, not locally where I'm at. Right now is the most local business I've ever done, which is probably 30%. Mm -hmm. Normally, I do less than 10% of the business in the state I live in, historically. It can be very difficult to build relationships. I do a lot of business in Alaska. It is a six and a half hour plane flight, almost seven hours from my house to there. Right. I am the preferred lender of a couple of agents. But to try to be the preferred lender of an entire office when they see me every 18 months is a little tricky to do. Right. So I have started to work, like I said, as of November, a little more locally. And as I was just really gearing up, this whole COVID thing hit. But I'm continuing to get deals from two or three or four agents that I got pre-COVID really kind of got committed to me. 
And it's giving me a doorway to listing agent every time I get a deal. And that's really how I'm using it. Right. So you're piggybacking that agent, the deal from the agent to the listing agent to getting another one. And the Um, reason I mentioned that is here's a key point. I feel like so often as a loan officer, we're taught or we believe that we have to go to a new agent and beg for, well, if your other lender doesn't come through, if they can't close the deal, if you get a tough one, I go all the way down to this low credit score. Right. We're setting ourselves up for failure on a really tough deal that someone else can't do. We get it done. We probably look like the hero to an extent, but it's one of those where we're setting ourselves up for failure, where if I can go in with a 700 credit person with 10 or 20% down, I've already pre-qualified and use that as my example deal to this listing agent, I'm in a much better position to meet or exceed expectations than begging for a bottom of the barrel deal. Right. Hey, I I got one for you. Like here, this has been sitting here forever. No one else can do it. Take a crack at it. And I know my odds of success are horrible versus a listing agent where I'm pre-qualified. I'm going to be successful. I'd rather set myself up with a great deal than with a piece of crap deal. I mean, that's the truth on why I don't love going after buyer's agents. And what about your sequence for calling past clients? So how often do you call past clients? So I'll give you the whole sequence. The short answer is I call every 110 days indefinitely. So they tell me, Dustin, no more. How often does that happen? I probably only get one a month. Right. Okay. A dozen a year. I mean, it's not often. Not a lot. If I'm closing even an average of 20 to 30 deals a month, so it's three to 5% of people ever tell me that. Right. That's fine. It keeps my database plenty big. Yeah. And so what I do though is let's say you close today. I will call you tomorrow just to check and see how everything went, see if you need anything. I'm going to call you three days later. The reason behind that logic is on refinances, that's the day your loan's funding. And I want to let you know everything's funding and getting paid off. And if you're getting cash out, it'll be wired to you. But to purchase, I know you're probably moving into your house. How was your first weekend? How were the first couple of days getting moved in? Right. Right? Showing I care. Does that turn, does that turn into business for you sometimes? It does. I had one yesterday. I closed them on Wednesday. By Wednesday night, the borrower emailed me, can I refer you someone? No, no, you can't. And yeah, he's like, well, would you be willing to help another friend? I know you're busy. I know you do a lot of business. And I'm like, yes, I would love to. And then yesterday I pre-qualified the guy yeah. that he referred me. And so it leads to business. The other big thing, again, kind of a psychological, sociological weirdo to an extent of, I really analyze it looking at, Marketing is nothing more than a psychology, sociology class. That's how Mm -hmm. I really perceive it. Yeah. It's just what medium you use to convey your message. In my head, what I'm conveying is you closed yesterday. By the way, to step back one more, when you're in the process with me, I call you every five and a half days throughout the entire process, no matter what. Even if you talked to my assistant this morning, I am calling you every five and a half days, no matter what. So when you count your daily call count, like when you're saying those calls are in there too. Those calls are in there too. It's any and everybody. It's basically like you are like carpet bombing your clients, your referral sources, your realtors, and these leads with the calls. And just to back up for a second, that dollar figure per call includes those calls. Includes every one of those calls. Every so like, agent call, every current yeah. client, every call I make to say, hey, borrower, I still need a W-2. If I'm making that call, that call counts in there. Right. It's just I raw see. call count. It's raw call count. That is what you're actually tracking. Okay. Yep. And so I call that borrower every five and a half days through the whole process. And then once they've closed, going back to the kind day of the one, cycle, day three, what's the, what after that? Day three. And the reason is to clarify that day one is you closed with me yesterday. And guess what? I didn't leave. You still matter. Right. Yes. Day three 
or it's really four days after you close, three days after that, I'm calling saying, you still matter. I'm calling you more frequently now that you closed than I did when I was making money from you. Now right. I've been paid and I'm still calling you. Right. I'm going to call you a week later just to check back in. I'm going to call you three weeks after that because that's about when your first payment's going to be due. We're at somewhere around 40, 45 days from when you closed. Yeah. I'm going to make sure, did you get everything in the mail you needed for your first payment? Do you have any questions? How often do you get leads from those kind of calls as well? I wouldn't say super often because I need to get better at asking for those referrals that day one and day three actually generate more leads for me than the day seven and day 30 okay. after that. Yeah. Because it's fresher in their mind as well. They had to leave right. work. There's also peak excitement. Closing. Oh, I'm in my place. Right. And, oh, this is great. So yeah. People at work knew they had to leave to close or something. And so someone asked, oh, where'd you go? Oh, I had to go close my house is my belief there. But beyond that, it's one of those where I'll call you 30 days. I'll call you 30 days again. So I've called you at about day 40, day 70. And now you become every 110 days. Right. Because okay. I know you've closed your game. You're trying to make a payment. You've made your payment forever. So- so you were telling me one time about you had a client that was like, Dustin, like, this is the natural. You shouldn't be phoning them anymore. What did they say to you? I've had them in the past and I had one literally, I think it was the beginning of this week. We talked about it maybe on this week on Tuesday or Wednesday. We're like, Dustin, thank you so much for all you've done. We just got accepted into a retirement home, an assisted living home. It's going to be great for us, but we are moving into it. So we won't need your services any longer. I said, no problem. But you are selling your house and so you happen to know the buyer. You end up needing to sell to one of your kids please give them my number and give me a call. And they were like, definitely. You've been there for us the whole time. And this is a couple I did a loan for in about 2012. I've never done another deal for them. Here we are eight years later. So they've gotten about 25 calls from me since during that time. Yeah. And most of them have either known my phone number or sometimes they'll just pick up and just be like, hey, Dustin, I won't even say an intro. They know who it is. Right. And one thing I get bad about is because it's became so much that way. Part of the time when I call people, I just start talking. I don't introduce myself. I haven't talked to them in 110 days. And I'm like, hey, Scott, just giving you a call to check in, see if you need anything. And I would say over 95% of the people know who it is, probably through uniqueness of voice. And just knowing I call, I get a person at least, I'd say every maybe six weeks, maybe every month that I call. And they're like, oh, I was wanting to do something around my house, but I didn't have your number. But I knew you'd be giving me a call soon. Right. That happens. What about this whole question of people that are moving out of their house or selling? Have you got deals from that too? Oh, so many. I've got three right now that are selling their house in the North, in Alaska, Washington, Idaho, but they're buying houses in Utah, Oregon, and Texas. Yeah. They're past clients and they're like, oh, I'm selling. I'm like, oh, okay. Where are you moving to? Uh, I'm moving to Washington. I'm like, oh, great. I can get you pre-qualified then. I'm licensed there. Let's get this done. We'll get everything in place and you'll already have everything ready before you move and know what you qualify for. They're like, you do that too? I'm like, yeah, I do. And so I heard, did you do that too enough times that now in my automated voicemail that I leave long-term, because when I call those people every 110 days, I only get an answer on one in five, right? So I'm leaving a voicemail manual for one and five. I'm leaving automated three and five and talking one and five. That automated voicemail now includes, I can lower your payment, get you some cash if you need it for anything, or even if you're looking to buy a new home. Right. Because they initially do with a refi with me and they don't realize I do purchases. So I've had to start pitching. Planting that seed. I do that too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So day one, day three, day seven, and then when does it go into the 110 day cycle? So I'm going to make day seven. I'm really going to do about a day 37 and a day 67. 
and okay. then it goes to 110. And why 110 days? I was doing it every 90 days because of some statistics I'd read and touch points. And I found that it was too frequent for past clients at 90 days. They were more or less going in their head. It was always, I just talked to you last month. Yeah. I was like, yeah, really? It's been like three months ago, but I'm not going to argue with you over that. Right. And so I moved to 110 days. And I would say the amount of time that happens is probably 70% less where people kind of make that non-direct complaint of, I just talked to you. Like right. nothing's changed, like layoff. Right. It's really back down and people going, being a little more appreciative and a little more understanding. And I'm just following up to do a quick check-in. Right. And that check-in, in all honesty, usually lasts 12 to 15 seconds unless they have questions for me about their loan or they have a referral for me. Right. So every 110 days, you're calling them. So really, and then again, back to the call count, the 1,000 to 1,200 calls a week, you're counting those calls as well. It's these 110-day calls. And, and that's right now. I mean, normally I'm closer to 1,500. Right. Because normally okay. I try to do 400 Monday, 300 Tuesday, and then 200 or so the other three to four days, depending on what I work. Right. Okay. So we've been doing game of phones in our training program, as you know. And so when I started talking about your process, I'm like, I haven't met anybody with, it's literally like you're bench pressing five plates. And we're like, what the, this guy's a freak of nature, you know, in a way. And so it's been cool to have you. So what has been your sort of experience with interacting with the clients in our game of phones and seeing how they're I think taking to this? There's three things. I'm a person who likes competition, right? So naturally it gets me focused to make sure I make those calls because it's being tracked and watched, number one. Yeah. Number two is I love the questions and being able to help people. Number two. Number three is seeing people get leads. I mean, on an average day, we see probably seven to eight leads, right? In one hour, we have 10, 12 people on the phone. We're getting three quarters of a actual leads an hour when you start doing the math behind each person working, right? 12 hours of it. It's not even 12 full hours because we're only going for 40 minutes or so. Yeah, it's not minutes. even an hour. Yeah. One time I was like a lead every four minutes. like Right. And so you start doing the math and it's like, you divide that by the number of people and we're averaging over a lead an hour of every hour of actual phone calling for each person. Right. Start doing the math on that, on what that does to your business yeah, at yeah. a lead an hour and you dedicate two hours a day, three hours a day. And in all honesty, this is something I should probably point out during all these calls. I'm normally averaging 35 calls an hour. If I take fresh data and really aged data, yeah. average from 25 to 45, maybe even 50 on really aged data. But in all that being said, I can make all those calls while I'm typing emails. I can make those calls while I'm in my loan origination software. When someone answers, I can stop and pay attention, make my notes on my sticky note or in my CRM. But in doing that, it's not like I have to sit there uninterrupted, just making three hours of calls. You might be saying 200 calls a day. Like, what else do you do? Do you not touch a loan? Right. Oh, okay. I, I, I actually didn't realize this. So, okay. So because you're software, you've got your list. Do you have to click to dial or does it auto dial? What happens? Click to dial. You click the, the button. Compliance. It's ringing. You're kind of working in between. If it goes to what you leave a voicemail, go back to your work. If it's right, right. Click or to auto, leave a voicemail. auto voicemail, yeah. keep working. And then, oh, hey, how's it going? Da, 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 da. So like, that seems almost like, you know, I don't want to say like walking and chewing gum at the same time, but it's, you're, that's it a is. high level of aptitude to be able to switch so quickly. So when you first, like, how did you develop that? Because that's not something that I think, I wouldn't even think of that. I'd be like, okay, I got my call. I got to do my call thing. And you're like, no, no, you can actually do some work. And then you just pick up the calls when they're there. So explain because how you it, did that. I go into two things there. One thing I did it out of sheer necessity. It's the only way I could do it all in a day. I mean, 
right now is an anomaly in the sense of I've got essentially pushing 80 files. Let's call it 75 plus files, almost 80, 78 files today. I need to make 200 phone calls, let's say, 200 calls at 40 an hour even. That means I've got to have over five hours where I'm on my dialer. That's bare bones minimum. I'm probably more than that, six hours, especially with the answer rate right now. I'm more like 25 answers an hour. So I've got to be on for eight hours. And I've got 70 some deals to work. I've only got one LOA and my LOA only has 20 of those files. 58 of those are completely mine. I'm doing everything all the way to processing and even getting some conditions and interacting with the underwriters and the closers some. So I'm managing 50 files completely plus needing to make seven to eight hours of dials. Right. I would work ludicrous hours as it is because there are sometimes doing a loan application to make sure it's tight and perfect to get it to disclosures to go out. In those cases, right now our cutoff is 3 p.m. So a lot of days from, depending on how many I have, 1.45 or 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock, yeah. I'm off my phone and I'll only take inbounds if I really need to because I know I have a very limited period to try to get three loans completely structured, credit pulled, determine loan amount, determine pricing, all costs, and get that ordered from our compliance department by 3 p.m. for it to go out that day. Right. Other than that, that dialer just, I try to never get off it. Right. So how much time do you spend on Facebook a day? I can say almost zero. I mean, we're talking. I don't see how you'd have time. Like honestly, I don't. I don't. So I I have three screens. And on my right screen, I run my LOS. My center screen is my dialer. And my left screen is my email. And most days, I wish I had a fourth screen. Right. Well, you could do that. You probably could afford it. (laughs) I you just gotta I'm running out of desk space though. I literally like them. you can do like two and two, so you can have like four. I'm at like 160 degrees right now because I've got my laptop and two 24 inch monitors. Right, that's what I have. I have a laptop and then two big monitors on either side. Yeah. Okay, so what are your last thoughts? So if somebody's like trying to get their head around, okay, I'm struggling with making calls. What would be your advice for somebody who struggles with making 20 calls a week? I think there's two things there. One is. Take your, whatever term you want to use, circle of influence, sphere of influence, people you know, people you have past relationships with, and call through those. And the reason I say that, you're going to get some of your highest success rates. However, there'll be some of the most painful no's that you get because you have an existing relationship. Right. So just remember that. Some of the highest success, but some of the most emotionally painful no's. Not the highest rate of no's, but emotionally painful. Like your mom doesn't, no, I'm not using you. Doesn't want to retry, (laughs) but the lead you got online, you've never talked to, that no doesn't hurt them. It's nothing personal, right? Right. Like they don't know you from anybody. And so getting on the phone and doing it, and I hope that's what the game of phones is really teaching is if you get on the phone and do it, like we're just talking, we're averaging one lead per hour per person. Like your business is transformed. If someone said, I have a guaranteed way that you can get three leads every day, 60 lead a month guarantee. What would you do for that? What would you pay for that? Right. That's you on the phone three hours a day. Right. 60 lead a month guaranteed. And depending on your lead source, your conversion rate's going to be at least 33%, 20 closings a month. Right. Suddenly, that's crazy. That's crazy numbers. Yeah. And it all comes down. So yeah, I totally. And the thing that I've been really liked about Game of Phones is the way we do it is that, so at the beginning, we do a little Q&A. Hey, how do you handle this objection? How do you deal with this situation? So we talk, we kind of, here's some reasons to call. Some people struggle with that. What do I say when I make calls? And then we roll into doing the calls and we make it fun. We got points and we do contests and challenges and stuff. Just because we're kind of, I think of it as like making a game inside a game. So like my son took volleyball and this was his second year. And he had a coach who said, 
he watched the kids and it was really like one hit, one hit, one hit, one hit over the defense. And you're like, that's not volleyball. That's just like, get the ball back over. And he's like, I don't care about the score. What I care about is bump, set, spike. If you bump, set, spike, you will win games. Maybe not right away. These are young kids, right? And so he said, though, I'm going to count how many times you do it and how many times they do it. And that's the score I'm going to keep track of. And sure enough, they would, at first, they were like, the other team would just hit it over. But as they got better, they were working on fundamentals. And the fundamentals, yeah. like it's like science, like you said, the fundamentals are what matter. And so with the calling, it's the fundamentals, the basics of the business that actually will move the needle. And it's a game within a game. It's like the game of phones is the game within the thing that actually moves the needle in your business. So it's been tons of fun. Like I'm having a blast with you and I know the clients are, it's been a hoot. I mean, I'll tell you, this is how valuable it is to me. And right now is unique, as I've said. But if I look back at an average, I made this offer to someone recently. I would pay them $2 a dial plus bonuses right now to call leads that I gave them. They actually make dials for their business right now. And they average about 40 calls an hour. Yeah. It's an $80 an hour base pay and two bucks a dial plus bonuses. You start looking at that and it's like, where could I go to anywhere and get a job at 80 bucks an hour, first of all? Second of all, what pseudo telemarketer gets paid 80 bucks an hour? They don't. They don't. But it's so valuable. I'm willing to pay someone that and still have a margin left that's valuable. And you still make money. And you still make money. That's the crazy part. I've still got a margin. I would hire good salespeople at two bucks a phone call just to give you an idea. And if you can quantify that in your head and say, okay, I can make 15 dials an hour, which really, even with manually dialing is doable. It's not super fun, but it's doable. And you start looking at that, you're like, okay, that's 30 bucks an hour. That's a good little start. But that's what I would do and be able to make a good margin on. If you're doing everything as a loan officer, there's no reason you shouldn't be at a minimum of 10 bucks a dial probably in revenue. Of raw data, everybody we're talking. Of raw data. And so you start looking at that and it's like, and those with a dialer allow you 30 to 40 calls an hour, but even manually you're at 15 plus, it's $150 an hour job. Right. You can sit back and swallow. I'm worth 150 bucks an hour on this phone. Do it. If not, I'll pay you two bucks plus bonuses and feel free. And you're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, hey man, I really appreciate your time on this call today. This has been an awesome run this. So yeah, if you guys are interested in Game of Phones live and what we're doing, just go to 10 loans a month. You can reach out to us there. We got some cool stuff that we've got cooking up. And thanks, brother. Thanks again. Have a great day, guys. This episode is sponsored by Finmo. Finmo's got a fantastic application, fastest growing mortgage origination platform in Canada. A couple of things I love about Finmo. First, the app is designed with the borrower in mind, which means it's really easy for them to use. It's simple to pick up and understand. Your average borrower will be able to use this, no problem. Second thing is they make document collection super simple. They have these smart docs. So as your client's filling out an application, it'll know intelligently what documents to request. So you don't have to saves you lots of time. And finally, they know that every mortgage broker, mortgage agent on the planet, we all run our businesses slightly differently. And so they've integrated with Zapier, which means that Finmo can be uh, digitally connected to all your favorite tools and apps. Sign up for Finmo, you receive a 30-day free trial. They've got amazing customer support. Finmo is the skip the dishes of mortgages.